I want to talk to you guys about something today, and I want to do it a little bit differently. How many of you guys have ever heard the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald's Angels Sing? Anybody know what I'm talking about, that Christmas song? Maybe you've heard it in pageants, or you've heard it like 20,000 times because it's the Christmas season, and you're like, if I hear that carol again, I'm going to smash my radio, right? Well, what I want to do is I want to take this carol, and I want to walk you through it, and I want to show you the Christmas story through this Christmas carol. How many of you guys, just show of hands, any smart people out in the audience, how many of you guys know what hark means? Anybody? I didn't until I started studying for this message, so don't feel that bad, okay? Hark is simply an old word that we don't use anymore, and it simply means this, listen, listen. How many of you guys know in our culture today, we live this fast-paced, busy kind of world, and we don't usually stop to listen? It's so busy, it's so cluttered, and the angels or the shepherds actually write this Christmas carol and they say, hark the heralds, angels sing. And what they're about to do is they're about to share the Christmas story through this carol and one of the first words in the song is they say, hark, listen, listen, I want to share a story with you and I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. Hark, meaning when the shepherds actually saw the angels, when the angels appear to the shepherds, one, these shepherds are astonished. They're amazed that angels would actually appear to shepherds. I don't know if you know anything about shepherds back in the day, um, but shepherds were like the low-lying citizens. They were the least class in their society. They were at the bottom of the barrel. If you were a shepherd back in Jewish custom, it means that basically you had failed at life. A shepherd was simply a job that you gave to a child. It was simply a job that you gave to a teenager. And if you were still an adult doing shepherding, it simply means that you missed your calling, kind of. So the first thing that I want to point out in this carol is this. I think that there's three things that I want to talk to you about this morning. The first one is this. The shepherd is amazed that the angels chose to appear to him. The lowest class in society, the marginalized, the the cast out, the ones that thought like, man, my life just isn't going as it ought to. And here's why the angels appear to the shepherd is so important for us. Because here's the truth. Let's just be honest. While Christmas time is joyful and merry and jolly for many of us, for many of us in the audience, it's not a happy time. For many of us in the audience, it's maybe the first Christmas that you're going to have without somebody in your family. Maybe it's the first Christmas that you're going to sit around a tree and it's the first Christmas without your dad. Or maybe it's the first Christmas without a brother or a sister. And so the truth is, maybe there's people in the audience tonight that say, you know what, Christmas is not merry. It's not, a, it's not a happy time for me because all I think about is while everybody goes off to their families and everybody goes and celebrates with their friends, I'm at home alone. I'm by myself. For others, Christmas reminds us of how disappointed we are with life. Listen, the very first Christmas, this was the shepherds. Let me take you back a few thousand years ago. The shepherds sitting in a field just tending sheep, contemplating their life. Man, how did we get here? 40 years old, 50 years old, just tending sheep. Is that all we're going to do the rest of our life? Nobody in society looks at us. They don't look for us for wisdom. They don't glean for us from anything. We don't really have a word to give. The shepherds were so low in Jewish society that if somebody had wronged them, the judge would not even hear their case in court. 
That's how they were looked upon. Maybe some of you feel like that today. Man, has, has God just forgotten me? Or maybe this Christmas, I just, man, I feel alone. Or it's sadness and you don't feel joy. I want to point out something to you in this carol. Maybe this Christmas you're jobless. Maybe this Christmas you feel hopeless. Maybe you're concerned about your kids. Maybe you're concerned about your marriage or your lack of marriage prospects if you're single. These shepherds came into the first Christmas not feeling like their lives were that awesome. And maybe you're in the same place. And here's what happens. The angels appear to the shepherds. The angels, that's right, the angels (laughs) appear to the shepherds. The lowest in society, God, decides to send his angels to the shepherds. And today I want you to understand this. If you feel lonely, if you feel left out, if you feel like joy left you a long time ago, I want you to hold on to that first word in this Christmas carol, hark. And listen, because I really believe that God wants to speak to you tonight. Today, I think the Savior Savior bids you and he says, hey, listen, I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly what you're going through, and I have not forgotten you. The second thing that happens to this shepherd is he was amazed at the celebration going on over the birth of a baby. Could you just imagine that for a second? You're out on the mountaintops, tending some sheep. First of all, you see kind of a light coming from the sky, and you're wondering, did I drink too much wine? (laughs) What is going on with me? Did I take too many pain medications? And all of a sudden, right before you are these angels. Now imagine what these shepherds are feeling. Like, why in the world would you appear to us, shepherds? Why not the kings? Why not the priests? Why not the governors? Like, who are we? Who are we to begin to spread this message of good news that Jesus, this baby, who is this baby? So they're amazed. And the angels begin to proclaim to the shepherds, and they say, glory to God in the highest, which means this. God deserves the greatest praise for the birth of his baby. Now, I want you to pause for a moment. The greatest praise... The angels are saying that God deserves the greatest praise, that Jesus, the baby, deserves the greatest praise. Now, I want you to realize something, what these angels have actually seen. The angels have seen when God said, let there be light, galaxies form into place. Stars set into motion. All of a sudden, oceans where there were no oceans before. And they're saying that the greatest praise is given towards this little baby. Why? And the angels are trying to wrap their heads around it. Let me, let me help you wrap your head around it. Astronomers tell us that there's a total of 3 million trillion stars, at least that they know of. That's a three with 24 zeros after it. After a while, numbers like this just kind of, they don't really mean anything to us. So let me see if this helps. One million seconds ago, okay, one million seconds ago was December 12th. This is about a week and four days ago. One million seconds. Now, a billion seconds ago. How how long do you think that was? Anybody? How long ago do you think a billion seconds ago was? A month? A year? Four weeks? 
How about this? A billion seconds ago was April 15th, 1984. A billion seconds ago. Listen, in 1984, the very first CD player had just come out. And the Jedi had returned for the first time. (laughs) That was 1984. That was a billion seconds ago. How many of you in this room are not even a billion seconds old? How many are like, I'm like a trillion seconds old? How long ago do you think a trillion seconds ago was? 1970. A trillion seconds ago was 31,688 years ago. A trillion seconds ago. The universe tells us that scientists, they, they say that there's at least 3 million trillion stars in the universe. And the sun is just one of those 3 million trillion stars. And it's not even the biggest one. It's not even the biggest one. And the sun puts out the same amount of energy as a trillion megaton bomb. That's enough energy to run an entire civilization for 500,000 years. So let me put that all into perspective for you. The angels had seen all that. And they say the greatest praise goes to this baby who's lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they're going, wait, hold on, time out. The greatest praise goes to this baby, but we've seen stars placed into motion, galaxies set into place. The world begin to orbit. And here is the carol. It says, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. So here's what they're saying. God came down in the form of a baby, in human flesh, to rescue us. The greatest glory that God ever displayed was his decision to come and die for sinners, to come and live among us, to take our place. And the angels are going, why would he do that? In First Peter it says, the angels are amazed by the gospel and long to look more deeply into these things. Think about it. They've seen everything happen, and the thing that they're most perplexed about is that God would come in the form of a baby to save us. Could you imagine the angels seeing everything play out and just going, God, just kill all the humans. Start over. Why? Just start humanity over. God said, I tried that once. It didn't work. Noah, you remember Noah? And the angels are perplexed, and they continue in this carol. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. See, the angels had seen all God's power to create. They saw him put each star in the sky. But they were more amazed at his mercy and grace than anything that they had ever seen. The grace that he displayed on that day a little over 2,000 years ago when he sent his one and only son, it was the most perplexing thing to them. Wow, God, you're going to go down and live among them to save them? Do you know how wicked their hearts are? Psalms 46 even says this, that he builds up the mountains, and the same mountains that he builds up, he crushes them with his hands. And it says, it even says this later on in the text, it says, he knows the hearts of men and he still lets them live. 
Like God knows our wickedness. He knows our pull towards evil, our pull towards lust, our pull towards infidelity, our pull towards pornography, our pull towards all of that. And he still says, I'm sending my son to give you mercy, to give you grace because I love you so much. See, greater than the power that pours out from the Son is the power that God has to put your life back together again. So listen, maybe you feel exactly like those shepherds. I feel like the lowest in society. I feel like I'm just cast out. I feel like everything in my life is just going wrong. Every corner I've turned, it seems like nothing works out. See, God in that moment decided to send his angels to those people. To those people, the carol continues, it says, Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. It's a powerful line. See, the gospel is that you and I were doomed and Jesus came to save us. You and I were doomed. There there was no hope without Christmas. There was no hope without a baby Delayed in a manger that says, I'm coming to save humanity. You see, underneath all of your religious, good, moral makeup, we're just rebellious sinners. We are. How many of you, let's just show of hands in here. How many of you ever said, you know what, God, I'm never going to do that again. And then like two days later, you're praying the same prayer. God, I'm never, anybody ever do that? I'm never going to curse my boss out again. Never. And then like day two rolls around, God, just please turn your back for a moment, <laughs> right? See, that may sound harsh. You're like, I'm a rebellious sinner. But if we all look into our heart deep down, haven't we all assumed that we know how to do God's job a little bit better? How many of you have ever said, God, you're taking too long. Get out of the way. I'm going to handle it on my own. There's been times in our own life where we thought that, hey, my will, God, it's going to trump yours. Just want to let you know. My choices, my decisions in this moment is going to trump yours. And the truth is that's moral insanity. It's cosmic treason, and the penalty for that is death for all of us. It's death for all of us because we're all rebellious sinners. Now, I know today it's not popular to see ourselves as basically or it is popular to see ourselves as just good, moral people with blind spots and weaknesses. Or maybe we're just misunderstood and we have some hidden potential, but that's not what the Bible says. It says that we're all traitors under the rightful curse of death, and there's only two ways for that to be absolved. One, we suffer it, we suffer it eternally ourselves in hell. Or, the second way, is Jesus in his love absorbs it in our place, the wrath that we are owed. See, that was the cross, Jesus dying, absorbing the curse in my place. The creator dying, listen to this, the creator dying in the place of the created. Think about that for a moment. Think about when the angels would see this going on, they're saying, this is insanity. God, you created them with one finger, you could just wipe them all out. Why would you die for them? Because he loved us so much. 
See, the carol continues and it says, Mild he lays his glory by, born that men may no longer die. That is why Jesus came. Now, I also know that it is popular today to say, hey, whatever way you want to follow God, it's okay, right? It's okay. God's kind of like a mountain. There's many roads going up and all, and we're all headed to the same place. But that's not what the Bible says. The truth is, the Bible says that salvation is only found in one person, and that is Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. You see, every other religion in this world teaches that you can save yourself. But you see, Jesus teaches, hey, you'll never be good enough. And you need a Savior. I don't know if you know this about our world right now, but there is no such thing as good and bad people. We're all bad. And the only difference is the ones that are repentant. See, there's bad and then there's repentant people that have accepted the grace and mercy of Jesus, and they understand it's, it's not by my own way and my own moral efforts that I'm good. It's Jesus. Any goodness that I have comes from Christ. Let me put it this way. If I was in an ocean drowning, and you're on a boat, and you've got a lifesaver in one hand and a rock in the other, and I said, hey, throw me something. And you said, which one? And I said, just whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Would it matter in that moment? The lifesaver or the rock? See, religion says it kind of like this. Try harder, be better. Do more and God will accept you. And that's kind of like taking the rock while you're drowning. So you say, nah, yeah, I want the rock. I'm just going to try to be better. I'm just going to try to swim out of this as it continues to weigh me down. So the shepherds say to us today, hark, this is your lifesaver. Listen. The third thing, the shepherd was amazed that he was the one chosen to announce this to others. Think about this. The only people in the Christmas story that see the angels are the shepherds. Not the kings, not the wise men, the shepherds. The marginalized, the cast out, the ones that feel lonely, the ones that feel rejected are the ones that are now responsible to go tell everybody else that a Savior is born. And to be truthful, I think, honestly, that would disappoint most of us, right? Because most of us would probably prefer the angels. So let me put it in a modern context for you. So today, many of us, maybe you're here today for the first time, and a neighbor invited you. A friend invited you, a, a family member invited you. And you're going, man, I, I love this person, I love this neighbor, but you know, I see how their kids act, they're a little crazy. <laughs> we all do it, right? You know, I could probably get into this whole Jesus thing, but you know, my neighbor's just a little weird sometimes. And if that's how Jesus is, I, I don't know. Maybe you got invited by an older brother and he's saying, listen, God has changed my life. You need to come. And all you can think about is, do you know how much you terrorized me when I was younger? <laughs> Why would I come and check this Jesus out? 
Maybe you heard about Jesus from that annoying neighbor seated right beside you right now. And listen, that's exactly what it was like when the shepherds came and began to tell everybody else the good news that had happened. They're going, you? You're telling me about Jesus? What, you? And here's the truth. Just because the messenger is flawed does not mean the message is flawed. So God chooses as his primary mouthpieces, shepherds. It's this common theme all throughout the Bible. That's how it was the first Christmas, and that's how it will continue to be, that God continues to share his perfect story through flawed human beings. So there is this story in the Old Testament. The prophet Balaam was about to do something that God did not want him to do. And he's on his donkey, and he's like, God, I don't want to do it. I'm getting out of town. And so what does God do? God sends an angel with a flaming sword to stand in front of this donkey. Now, Balaam can't see it, but the donkey can. So he's riding on this donkey, and this donkey just stops dead in his tracks. And like many of us would today, what do we do? We get off that donkey, we're like, you better move. He's hitting it, he's punching it. He's trying to drag it, and this donkey sees this 12-foot angel with a flaming sword. He's like, right, bro, you can kick me, you can bite me, I'm not moving. And then it says, finally God opens the donkey's mouth. And the donkey turns back at Balaam and says, look, bro, you hit me one more time. Listen, the point is, God spoke through a donkey. And maybe you heard this message through a neighbor and you're going, ah. God spoke, the King James, I'm, look, I'm just, hold your kids' ears for a second. In the King James, it says, he spoke through an ass. Kids don't ever say that word, ever. It, it, listen, that's what it says. So you may look at your neighbor, you may look at somebody and go, I'm hearing this message, and it's just, I'm not getting it because of this person. Listen, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through anyone, right? Absolutely anyone. Just because the messenger is a donkey doesn't mean the message isn't the truth. So, I close with this. Listen. Because God is speaking to you today. He's speaking to you and he's drawing you back to himself. 